0: Well, let's wrap right into it uh, here. Uh, wrap right into it. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Is that hip hop beat? Yes. Scrolics. I'm very Caucasian. <laughs>
1: I have no idea what else to tell you there. I'm dying right now, a little bit. I can't lie. <laughs> Coming to you from a humble Chicago apartment, both weighing in at about 160 pounds, as well as all of the news and updates on your favorite South Side team, the Sons of Honarchy, presented by OG Sons and hosts Hot Take Tommy and Drunk Sock Steve.
0: Let's go right into it then so we're not using the word rap. we're we're going right into it here um yeah I I didn't get to go to Sox Fest this weekend and uh, one of the two of us did so let's uh let's hear how it happened for you. yep yeah. so on the beat here on the beat on the beat You've I never heard we, that I thought we were not rapping here.
1: Oh come on. On the beat? You've never heard that before, like like a beat reporter, like a beat writer.
0: Oh, oh God, no, that's too very. Okay, okay. Yes, I see where you're coming
1: from. You see where I'm coming from?
0: <laughs> Just barely.
1: Yep. This is what happens when you don't go to graduate school. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep <laughs> Okay well I'm still getting my tax break From paying bachelor's degree loans Sorry I'm just a plebeian With my grad with my bachelor's degree
1: Come on marriage life Isn't enough of a tax uh, break for you I need both tax breaks please and thank you Alright so On SoxFest So um, fun fact that I will Blurb out right here That many people do not know Is I snuck my way into SoxFest um, So long story short <laughs>
0: oh my god just jumping right in and being <laughs> as blunt as possible you did not pay for a ticket
1: i'm gonna be a hundred percent honest here i did my dandiest to dandiest, dandiest or damnedest damnedest a I, I dandiest i don't know where that came from
0: you had a dandy of a time that's why
1: i, I did i did so um yeah i showed up i parked my car for free because street-side parking in Chicago is free on Sundays. For free. For free. So, we, uh, or we, I showed up. I parked the car. Uh, I brought
0: my bag. Yeah, rub it in that it wasn't we. It was just you. Just rub it in. That's fine. Hey, it's okay that, that I I showed a level of
1: commitment to be there.
0: Level of commitment, my ass? I had work. What, do you think I'm just going to quit? I mean, you were committed to something else. You know, okay, if you guys start listening to this podcast en masse and uh, get us some advertisements, you know, maybe down the road if I'm making 60K a year off this podcast, I can just quit. But until then, you know, I might be strapped down by work. Strapped down
1: by who specifically,
0: Tom? <laughs> the Lou Malnati's pizzeria.
1: The Malnati family. Pay this man right now. Th- please and thank you, Mark. So, Mark Malnati, Really? Yes, I'm calling him out by name. All right, here we go. This one's out to you, Mark Melnati. You're going to get tagged in this later.
0: So <laughs> He's a Cubs fan. He's probably not going to be listening. So um, does he have a Twitter account? That's it. I would assume so. They got a pretty good uh, you know social media presence. I'm going to say, at Mark Malnadi pay this man. <laughs> Please do not. <laughs> All
1: right, so that's going to happen. So I uh, showed up at Socksfest, um, I I had my my Sons of Honarchy T-shirt uh, on on my on my body uh, underneath my
0: coat. Um, that, that was oddly sexual. <laughs> Sons of Honarchy on my body, on my body. <laughs> you already know. So I
1: uh, I wanted to sport that. So I decided to do my coat check. I checked in my coat and uh, kept my backpack on me, even though they had bag check. Cause in my bag was we had. Um, t a few t shirts that we were in now uh we also had uh wristbands uh gave out a bunch of wristbands that day. a bunch of people who maybe listened to these may have those wristbands on them so um did that uh you know walked through with about four or five other people uh just kind of meshed my
0: way in there. It's so so janky that you just like we're like oh I'm just gonna I don't have a ticket but I'm just gonna lodge my way in between five people here that clearly know where they're going and what they're doing yeah so you know I thought that might just be like a
1: first po- uh, checkpoint too because before I walked in with those those people before I kind of meshed my way in um i saw that they weren't you know checking passes or anything so i was like okay like whatever i started walking with my bag kind of briskly or so whatever i got through the first part and then one guy stopped me he was like yo i gotta check that bag i was like oh yeah for sure absolutely so you know I'll open it up and he sees you know the business cards and the and the wristbands and the t-shirts and I, I you know i was like do i need to open up anymore you know of the compartments he was like no you're good just let me put a tag on and let me on my way and i was expecting checkpoint two and and where was that time you were in the middle of socks fest
0: no further checkpoints no further
1: checkpoints so i was there i was at socks fest i enjoyed myself greatly um plus side was that uh got tons of word out for the podcast downside was i bought a women's hoodie. Um, <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> so, basically, I bought a hoodie that I thought looked really cool um, and uh, or sweatshirt. It was a zip-up. And I was, uh, was like, oh, this looks good. It's a medium. It's my size. Like, I don't need to try this on, whatever. Um, and then I tried it on uh, the next day, uh, Monday night, and uh, I realized that, oh, wow, this is really tight around, like, my sides, and it's really open down at the bottom. This is definitely... A women's medium
0: accentuates your figure. You know
1: what? On my body, on <laughs> <I'm> my body. <laughs> so, if you can tell, there's a there's a theme here um, about bodies. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! I'm so dead. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was Socks Fest. Um, the basically, yeah, snuck in. Uh, had a great time talking to people
0: and enjoying the time there. Yeah, Rick Hahn's probably going to reach out to you personally and ask for the $40 uh,
1: entrance fee. You know, Rick, if if you want to reach out and uh, collect that $40 from me, that's okay. Just shoot me an address so that I can shoot the, te- uh, the check to, and I'll also be hooking you up with uh, a free t-shirt. And uh some wristbands, Sons of Honor. <laughs> yeah,
0: baby. And you better be wearing that
1: shit, Rick. <laughs> yeah, Rick. I w I wanna I want a picture with, with you with that on too. That that's all I ask. So um yeah. So, um one thing that <laughs> that I was asked to uh kind of uh, talk about more was uh, Han's uh, press conferences throughout the weekend.
0: Yes, yes. I want to hear your interpretation of what his ambiance was. Like, what vibe did he give you?
1: Yeah, so you know, a lot. First off, I'm going to say that there were way too many questions about Machado and what's going on with that acquisition and basically, are the White Sox going to get him? Slash, How do you feel if the White Sox do not get him?
0: Are you surprised, though? Are you at all surprised?
1: I, You know, I shouldn't be, but I really thought that people who, number one, have press passes, people who pay to be at SoxFest, unlike me, um, <laughs> so people who actually invest into this stuff, their time, their money, their resources, work for people, could actually ask better questions. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's just too... Too much of the same thing uh, when it comes to that. Um, it You know, I understand where people are coming from. But once again, um, I think a lot of people worry too much and we're fetching too far for an answer in regards to how are you going to feel if you don't sign Machado slash how do you feel about being
0: in the Machado sweepstakes, etc. Okay, so all that being said, all those qualifiers, are we getting Machado or not? So, if
1: you ask me, personally, especially with the news that we're seeing from Bryce Harper today, uh, we're recording right now, it's 10 after 7, uh, January 29th, Tuesday. Um, we're seeing the rumors about Harper going to Philly uh, and going to be settled there. I mean, that makes the, the White Sox definitely, the, uh, they're still going to be the front runner for uh, Manny Machado and he definitely fills a need that the White Sox have and the White Sox have that open checkbook at this point if you look at our payroll even with paying Jose Abreu 16 million dollars even with giving Cologne the 1 million or the, the 1 year uh, over 7 million dollars Rodon's over 4 million um even with these names that you you've tacked on to the to the salary list You've got a blank check for him, basically, or whatever Jerry's blank check is, whatever Jerry Reinsdorf's blank check is, Um, which looking at history usually isn't a very large blank check. But at the same time, if you ask me, Machado of the White Sox is is everything but
0: confirmed. Everything but confirmed? Okay, so that's drunk, shy Sox Steve. That's your opinion. Now, I want you to look in, to go back in time, look in Rick Hahn's eyes, and you tell me what Rick Hahn's opinion is now. Once again, I think the key word that I've been, or key compound word that I've been using,
1: is a lawyer speak. So, Rick Hahn, I think, in, in my opinion, was bluffing most of the weekend. He was giving this impression that, you know... You know, he starts off first off by saying that, you know, at one point Vegas posts the odds that, you know, we're one of six or one of seven teams. We're kind of down the list. And, you know, we belong at the table. We're here. But he also goes on to say, if we do not get him, I am personally disappointed in myself and the organization, etc and we'll be back again.
0: Do not get me st- – started on how annoyed I am the fact that he was uh, okay so I'm gonna backtrack here when I originally heard him use those words we should be happy that you know we were placed outside the odds that Vegas had on signing these people and now we're the main front runner like I don't give a crap about what vegas said all i care is if he is in a white Sox uniform or not right like great we're at the table we belong at the table fantastic you know i don't give a crap all i care about is how many wins are the white Sox going to accumulate this season and the season after that you know what i mean yeah absolutely absolutely and i think this is the key right
1: the you know this 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 narrative though too of oh, this is going to be a failure if the White Sox don't sign Machado. It's still going to exist until they sign a player of Machado's caliber. In addition to that, too, Han did bring up a comment uh, throughout his press conferences in the weekend. I believe this was on Saturday um, where he says, you know, we have up to four acquisitions still on the table in regards to four, four acquisitions.
0: Four acquisitions.
1: So, this could be big. This could be a Machado. This can be another bullpen arm. This could be a fifth arm because they don't necessarily believe that Manny Benuelos is the
0: answer. (laughs) I was just going to say Manny Benuelos. Come on now.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'd rather see Manny Benuelos than uh, our good old friend.
0: Carson Fulmer. Well, not even Carson Fulmer either. Who? Oh God! Don't get me. No, don't, I'm not gonna say his name. I'm not gonna. Say the D-Man. <laughs> Please no. The D-Man, Dylan Covey. Hey, <laughs> let's be real
1: though. How many of the r- pitchers on the White Sox rotation right now have outpitched Chris Sale in their career? What? Don't forget that outing against the Red Sox
0: last year where no. he pitched a better game than Chris Sale. No. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. He pitched fine at the end of the season. That doesn't mean he's going to be our number. That was toward the beginning of the year. but uh, No, but, uh, okay, yes. That was toward the beginning of the year. But at the end of the s- season, he did post okay numbers, you know, September. But those are still September numbers. So don't go on this Dylan Covey hype train. Nobody's there. Nobody wants to be there. Get Dylan Covey to the AAA. Uh, he's just filling. He's a stopgap guy. Nothing more. Please and thank you
1: yeah I'm with you I'm gonna agree with you on that one i right. I'm not in Dylan Kobe's corner
0: oh oh you're gonna agree with me
1: on something i'm gonna i'm gonna stand in your corner on this one there are a lot of things that I don't stand in your corner on but I'm gonna stand in your corner on the Dylan Kobe take
0: yeah the Dylan Kobe take is not a hot take over from here there is no hot take on this he is not going to be our number five starter for the long term. Hopefully
1: not for this entire season. So
0: unless if somebody blows an ACL, then which case maybe we're looking at him long term.
1: True. Um, on that note, um, and speaking of pitchers, we wouldn't be uh, dealing with this if uh, somebody was not injured, um, and that would be a man. We wouldn't be
0: dealing with this. We wouldn't be Dylan, Dylan, oh. Dylan Cease with this. Dylan Cease. Dylan Kobe here.
1: We wouldn't have to be dealing with it. Uh, if we had a healthy Michael Kopeck. Now, um, one thing that a lot of people were saying about Kopeck, especially those who were there on Friday, some who were there on Saturday, were saying that Michael Kopeck seemed disinterested, that he seemed kind of out of it you know, kind of down and whatever and even Rick Hahn made a comment on Saturday where he said that his biggest worry is that Kopech is just gonna seem bored throughout the year. But it seems, you know, from the interview, uh I was there, um at the moment when uh, Ryan McGuffey and um Chuck Garfine for the White Sox Talk podcast, they were interviewing uh, Michael Kopeck and it seemed like Kopek's recovery is going really well. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that he's spent a lot of time with uh or in the off season working out with slash recovering. Um he's doing recovery, the other guy's been working out, but with Lucas Giolito, who has also had to go through the same process of Tommy John. Um so that's, you know, a bright spot, somebody for him to lean on. Um and yeah, he seems really uh he he wants to be ready to go. And he, he wants to win and he he definitely has, has a, a He's definitely being headstrong about the process, which is really good, especially out of somebody that rode the ups and downs of 2018.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that I'm thinking about is like he actually is about to grab a baseball and throw it soon. Mind you, it's light pitch and catch, but um, it's it's exciting to see that he's coming through. And his comments were along the lines of, you know, hey, you're not going to see me pitching on the mound for the White Sox in 2019. But you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's going to be um, throwing full speed before the end of the calendar year. Absolutely. But anyway, back to the Machado situation. We One thing that we've been talking about a lot, especially with questioning Rick Hahn, like, hey, are we getting Machado or not? But the thing that we haven't been discussing until this last weekend uh, with SoxFest is, you know, what is that going to do to our current infielders, you know? So um, specifically mentioning the left side of that infield Yomer Sanchez and TA7 you know how is that going to impact their role with the White Sox in the future and what do we as White Sox fans think about that right so we're definitely seeing uh some sparky
1: comments out of both of them from Sparky and snarky. Uh so we've uh we've definitely seen that, you know, both of them are saying that, you know, just because Machado's coming uh maybe coming to the organization, um, that means nothing about their jobs at this point until, you know, they, there's something to prove. Um, they, right now they say the job is theirs and they're willing to do it. Um, we're definitely seeing this amongst uh TA too. Now, mind you, TA definitely came out with comments on Friday, uh during opening ceremonies where he said Uh, he was asked a question, you know, what would be your endorsement to Manny Machado to come to the White Sox? And he said, he actually made a really funny comment. He's like, you know, we've got the swag, we've got the bling, we're young, we're going to have something special here going on in a couple years. Um, But then he also, you know, backed up comments about Machado coming to the White Sox about saying, hey, like, this is my job for now. Like, this is my position. I want to play short and, you know, kind of bring it on. In a sense. Um, and, you know, I we like to see that fight out of TA uh, for sure. But this is, uh, you know, I. I'm really hoping that this isn't something that breaks down the chemistry of the team a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you in saying that we'd like to see that fight, but I think what you can take away is that those comments from TA have become increasingly aggressive in saying, like, it went from, you know, I see myself as the White Sox shortstop of the future. Like, I see myself at shortstop in the future. To, by the end of the weekend, he straight up said, shortstop is mine. You know, and I... I like that, but I'm also nervous. As you said, like when I just said it, when we sign Machado, you know, (laughs) not if anymore. So hopefully, yeah, that's just a testament to how broken hearted I will be if we do not sign this guy. Um, but it it will be, it will be a test because you know, he did work his ass off to be a better shortstop. And if he is not the shortstop TA, I mean, um, that means that you know he did all this work essentially to just be replaced, and that would be a uh, you know a hard ask of him to just you know scooch over a little bit to third base and uh, and, and take a seat a back seat to the the uh, all star that Manny Machado is. But you know that's kind of what's going to be expected of him if if Machado comes over here. Yeah,
1: and just some of the vibes that I got from the minor interactions that I that I had with ta and, and watching his interactions with others um, on Sunday when I was at the NBC Sports Network table he just seemed very I don't know he seemed on edge he didn't seem like loose ta um, especially on Sunday um, I you know I saw photo ops of him with young fans and really really be you know embracing that role embracing you know him being uh, you know A player's player And a fan's player Especially um, And being loved By this organization But at the same time um, There there seems to be some, Something I think Brewing in his head A little bit So you know I'm hoping that he, He's you know say, say if When Machado Comes to to the Organization That you know If he does play Shortstop T.A. is Is comfortable And okay with transitioning
0: Yeah especially You know I Want Ta on our infield long term. I love him. As I mean, that's I think that's what we can all agree on. Is like we want Tim Anderson and we want Machado in our infield. It, it gets a little dicey when we look at Yolmer because White Sox fans. I think we can all agree we love Yolmer Sanchez. He brings a good vibe.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, fun loving. You know, really, really cares about the game. Cares about the organization. And yeah. It's good to see the guys having fun and Yomer is definitely one of those guys that has fun.
0: Yes, and that that's what makes it a hard thing when we ta- start talking about Machado cuz if we bring him in, that means that you know, Yomers pretty much out of the picture there.
1: Yeah, no, for sure and and you know, I think White Sox fans who are loyal to that 2018, the whole Ricky's boys don't quit, the whole, you know, we're fighting in this, we're young, we're here till the end. Like, you got to understand players come and go, and, and Yomer is, is going to be one of those players that either comes and goes or is going to be a utility player. He's not going to be a, a player that's going to be your starting third, bas- third baseman, especially on this squad, and bring you to a championship. If In my ideal world, if, when, we, I'm saying if, when, because it's – more, I think it's still more of a when than an if you know, Machado comes to the White Sox. I, I want Manny Machado at third base. He is a proven gold-glove third baseman. I don't want to see him trying to play shortstop. Tim Anderson has become a better and better shortstop over time. And I'm not saying that Machado couldn't become a better shortstop over time. Um, but when you look at his defensive metrics at third base, there's a reason why he is a gold-glove third baseman. And there's a reason why TA is becoming a better and better shortstop. It's because he's continuing
0: to work out, and that's where he's most comfortable at this point. I am surprised that I agree with you, honestly, because I was going to be out here saying when when I took the mic next, you know, um, that I think it'll be awesome to see Machado come, obviously, but I want him at third. And, you know, I don't think all White Sox fans agree there. Like, we would want to see, especially because Machado's been out there on the books saying, hey, I want to play shortstop. It's going to be tough to get him to come here and, and then slot him in at third. But that's what I think White Sox fans might be, you know, more interested in seeing because he's proven there and he's not proven at short. And we have a shortstop who's young and is improving drastically year after year at that position. His bat, you know, hopefully that'll come along with it too. But his defensive metrics have been improving. Tim Anderson we're talking about now. Okay, let's backtrack though. Let's talk about the White Sox right now. Not not including those four acquisitions that we don't even know about, not including Machado. What are we looking at post Sox Fest? 2019 White Sox, what's on the field as we speak? And uh, that means Yomer Sanchez is at third. That means Tim Anderson is at shortstop. Um, that left side of the infield is not figured out yet for sure. But um, things that we have seen uh, change uh, over the offseason are first base position, uh, the right field situation, uh, and the catching situation. And those are some things that I want to touch on. Uh, first off, hey, Matty Daddy Ding Dongs is gone, uh, and I'm <laughs> Maddie Ice. Uh, I'm personally happy to see that. That means we can slot uh, Jose Abreu into that DH situation, uh, maybe a little uh that acquisition, Yonder Alonso over there, every once in a while trading uh, trading time between first and DH with Jose Abreu, and uh, I see that as a positive.
1: No, absolutely. I, I'm i going to miss uh, Davidson's bat at uh, Kauffman Stadium. Oh. <laughs> okay, I thought you were saying you're going to miss his at bats in general. No, specifically at Kaufman. Specifically at Kaufman I'm going to miss his, his 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 bat. Um but yeah, I mean, we look at the lineup. Um I don't underst- the one acquisition that I do not understand the most from this offseason and for those of you that have been following us, you think that the first thing I'm going to say is Ivan Nova. Uh, a.k.a. Ivan Nova, a.k.a. the boo-boo pitcher, uh, BBP. <laughs> Anytime we say BBP or boo-boo pitcher, you know I'm talking about Ivanova up until the start of the season. You cannot
0: say every time we say BBP, we mean Ivan Nova because I like Ivan Nova. So that's a mostly drunk, shy, sock, Steve situation.
1: So I am... Yeah, okay. I like 2010 Evan Nova for the Yankees. That's about it. Anyway, so, and that's, that's not even the acquisition I'm going to bitch about. The one I'm going to bitch about is James McCann. I do not understand why the White Sox acquired James McCann when they had two other guys that hit better than McCann uh, and one of those guys that is definitely better defensively than McCann. Omar Narvaez was better on both sides, both defensively and offensively, than James McCann are. Just look at the statistics. Um, and then if you, you you look at Kevin Smith, I mean, I mean, he brought a bat into the lineup. And he, he was somebody that was there. I mean, yeah, you were carrying three catchers. I, I understand that. I, I guess what they got back for Omar Narvaez is, is great. The fact that um, Colome was, was great. Um with that in mind um i don't necessarily think that you know kevin smith was he's older but at the same time i if you were going to upgrade at the catcher position or fill in there i guess i don't under, i just don't understand period if, if somebody could help me understand that that'd be great but it just doesn't make sense to me
0: absolutely i mean i and personally, on the wellington Castile bandwagon, which you may or may not know, but <laughs> <laughs> Steve is just burying his head in his hat right now. <laughs> I don't—the reason why—I'm going to agree with Steve. I don't understand the James McCann signing at all, but I'm coming from a at it from a different perspective. Not necessarily saying, you know, we had these things that we gave away and we should have gotten something else in return uh, for this catching position. You know, uh, we had Kevin Smith, we had Omar Navaez, and we got all these— things for them in return but you know what James McCann isn't what we wanted what I'm saying is we got Wellington Castillo we have that veteran catching we don't need garbage. another bench. he's garbage we don't necessarily need another veteran catcher right we have Wellington Castillo so that's where I'm coming from saying you know we got that position filled what I want what I would want to see is who's trading time with uh Wellington Castillo I want to see Sebby Zavala's trading time with Wellington Castillo. I want to see Zach Collins trading time with Wellington Castillo, not James McCann. We don't need somebody developing. Uh, we need somebody developing, not somebody who has developed and we've seen uh, in our division even uh, as a, you know average ball player, not above average. I don't even,
1: just for the sake of it, I want to run through James McCann's stat line. The guy had a 267 on base percentage last year with a 314 slugging. He had an OPS of 581. For those of you that can't do math that quickly, that's awful. That is insanely bad. So, for those of you that like advanced metrics as well, his OPS plus 58, folks. 58. Okay? The man cannot hit the broadside of a barn door. Okay? makes zero sense okay let's look at the other acquisitions though right yes let's talk about these
0: other acquisitions let's talk specifically about this outfield picture
1: okay so we're looking at this outfield and the one addition that we are seeing right now is john jay now the john jay acquisition once again a lot of people see this as uh, a, a pawn in a sense okay so this was a pawn in order to possibly get on Machado's good side especially in regards to the already signing of Yonder Alonso. so Yonder Alonso being the brother-in-law John Jay being the training buddy the three of them down in Miami having a good time during the off-season, training with each other making each other better players okay so that was ultimately I think I think that may have been one of the underlying reasons for getting John Jay, but also the White Sox want somebody that's going to be low on the books in regards to pay, and they want somebody that could be an upgrade. John Jay is both of those. Extremely low on the books, has experience playing on decent or even playoff teams, and yeah, you're not going to pay him that much, and it's a very low-risk one-year
0: contract. I couldn't agree more. Um, my thought process though is uh push a little Adam Angle. Push Adam Angle out of the picture, you know? Um, let's get John Jay, Daniel Palka, Luri Garcia as our everyday starting outfield. I mean, what the heck's wrong with that? So I mean, once again, and I mean we're gonna talk about this with the with the lineup too, and, and
1: you brought up Louri is one of one of your uh your starting outfielders.
0: Yeah, what the heck's wrong with that? He's a good player.
1: Um, he, he's a utility player, Tom. I mean, we're we're looking, if we're gonna look at at Lurie's just just baseline, right? Baseline numbers, okay. First off, he only played in half of the White Sox games last year. He played in eighty-two games, okay. It's two hundred and fifty-eight plate appearances, okay. Now, that 271 average is a little deceiving. You say 271's pretty average, it's fine, it's whatever. I mean, the on-base percentage is barely over 3, okay? Barely over 3. Then, when you take that into account too, he's not really doing much with that average, okay? A lot of these are singles. A lot of these are, you know, just getting on base. Just barely getting a hit to get on base, okay? And when you're looking for somebody to just get on base, when you're looking at 303, that's not what you're wanting, especially when the times that you're playing Lurie and the times that you are bringing him to the plate, it is in a switch hit position. It is in a position where he is able to have an advantage against a certain pitcher. So when you're bringing in, him 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 in into select situations, the hope should be that he's going to perform better than this. Um Lurie Garcia is is not going to perform any better than what it, he's reached his peak, okay? He, he has reached his potential. You start to play him in an everyday position, you're going to start to see the same outcomes that you saw out of somebody like Yomer Sanchez, okay? may start off the year hot. I mean, I think Yomer brings a lot more to the table than, than his stats, uh, but at the same time, uh, Lurie Garcia is not going to light it up.
0: Okay, so that's fine, but like we're not necessarily looking at him for the whole season, right? Because we've got uh, like what what were my top three? Uh, John Jay, Luis Garcia, and Daniel Parka. Polka. That's to start the season. Now, who's coming up the chain for the outfielder this season? So you're right now are bringing up your boy
1: Eloy. Eloy. So anyway, um, which is a great great thing to think about, right? Um, so. If you look at the opening day lineup, I, I think everybody gets the idea that catcher's going to be Wellington Castillo. Your first baseman is most likely going to be Yonder Alonso just because he's better defensively than Jose Abreu.
0: I'm mad about it, but you're right.
1: So, second base, Yo-Yo, shortstop, T.A., third base, Yolmer. This is if you do not sign Machado, okay? Um, John Jay is going to be in right. Angle's just going to be in center because he is stronger defensively than Lurie Garcia is. Lurie Garcia does not have the ability that Adam Angle does defensively out in center field. They have very similar offensive numbers as well.
0: Do you think Adam Angle's bat will improve this year?
1: I mean, that's one thing that a lot of people are really questioning and they're saying, hey, is Adam Engel really good enough to be the center fielder? Defensively, he is. Offensively, he has to prove tremendously. Um,
0: What you're saying is defensively, he is. Offensively, he is not.
1: Correct. Absolutely. So right now, you don't have anybody else that is a true center fielder
0: that's going to play that position. So who else are you going to put there? Why do you why do you need to have a true quote true center fielder? Like we're a rebuilding team. Why can't we just slot somebody in there until like somebody proves themselves better or good enough to be there? Like Adam Angle is not the answer, so why not remove him from the equation?
1: No, I totally you know here's the thing. I'm with you in regards to removing Adam Angle from the equation. I think he's a great guy. I think he brings a lot defensively to the team, once again, like I said. And I think that he could he could possibly this is a very key possibly develop into into a decent ball player. Decent. Um I'm not saying he's gonna become a three hundred hitter. I'm not saying he's gonna be anywhere near three seventy or three eighty OBP any year of his career um maybe once um luckily um pfft, luckily anyway um but at the time this is this is what you sh- you should be looking at you should be looking at Adam Engel in center um unless you make like I said before with this Rick Haunt thing another free agent acquisition because Adam Engel right now is not fit to be a starting center fielder in the major leagues um all in all Engel's going to start in center to start the year and in left field uh personally even though he's a defensive liability I think you just have to start Polka because I think he he has a much better bat than Nicky Delmonico does
0: yeah and I think that's really interesting to think about is that you know you don't think of Daniel Polka in left field because he's he played right field every time he was out there but and he sucked there but (laughs) but you know Part of my language he wouldn't fuck up that bad that we couldn't put him out there you know so let's throw daniel palka in left field and and cross our fingers that that's what left field is going to look like at the start of the season
1: for sure for sure i'm 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 with you in that corner in regards to starting him there also but however defensively defensively i i get a little I get a little weary when i think about daniel Polka there um i i i don't Really like if if you're gonna ask me about the Chicago White Sox starting lineup right now, I don't like the way it shakes out. I don't like the way it shakes out at all because I think you've got you've got two guys that you can you can swap at uh, first base or DH, but you also have a true DH in Polka. You don't really have somebody that can play anywhere other than be an extreme defensive liability in left field or a semi defensive liability in right field. Once Eloy is up. I think that they're going to put Eloy in left. I think they're going to put Polka as your everyday starting uh, outfielder in right. Um, um, y- really, what you're going to do here uh, with Polka, though, is because he bats left. You're going to and he bats obviously better against righties. When righties are out on the mound, you're going to throw Polka in in the lineup most likely. Uh, you're going to throw John Jay in the lineup uh, when there's a lefty pitching. Um, so, Polka is not going to be starting every day. Um, last year, he played 124 games. Um, I can honestly see that number getting down, going down right now because your outfield is crowded with basically mediocrity until Eloy comes up. Your outfield, and that will be your only shining star. Um, I saw a tweet go out about the top starting right fielders. The other day, from, or actually it was from yesterday, from Brian Kinney. Um, and basically, he said that Eloy was the sixth best right fielder right now in Major League Baseball, which was really funny to me considering he hasn't taken a Major League at bat. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a bit of a hot take if you ask me.
1: Absolutely. Without taking a Major League at bat, that's a little bit of a stretch. However, there's a huge drop from one to four from that list too. I think it went, he put Mookie Betts at one. He put, uh, God, who did he put it to? I can't even remember who he put it to. Um, Judge at two if I'm not mistaken he put somebody else at three and he put Yelich at four um, so
0: yeah Yelich to one more person and then Eloy Jimenez that's a little that's a little much
1: yeah uh, Herringer was was five if I'm not mistaken, right before E-boy. Uh With that being said, I mean, you have an outfield that's filled with mediocrity, and that's why I think a lot of Sox fans like myself were hoping for somebody like Bryce Harper to alleviate, alleviate that situation because you have major potential in your infield, You don't have a lot of potential in the
0: outfield. That is incredibly well put and i think that's a good place to wrap that up i mean we talked about position players the one thing that we didn't touch on and i think we can all agree on is that our starting pitching and our relievers have you know they're looking pretty solid this year
1: so the bullpen has definitely improved um the young guys i'm hoping that they develop into something special um i'm hoping that jace fry is more consistent this year i hope nate Jones is about Nate jones needs a bounce back here um ian hamilton Definitely tons of potential, along with Caleb Frere. Um, The I'm done with the Carson Fulmer um, project, but Carson Fulmer believes in Carson Fulmer, so that's <laughs> all that matters.
0: <laughs> that's, that's really well put. We're done with him, but Carson Fulmer believes in himself. So
1: so uh, Carson Fulmer is also listed on most websites as six foot. I don't think he's an inch above 5'9". <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's got a short person problem, is what you're saying?
1: Uh, he's very, he's a very short individual. Um, but I, I love that they added Herrera. I love that they added Colome. I'm very, very excited to see the strengthening of that bullpen. Um, the starting arms, uh, uh, Ivan Nova's a stopgap guy. And there's a reason why they they paid. I I still don't understand why they paid him as much as they did when they probably could have gotten somebody else of higher quality for that much money. Um, But the boo-boo pitcher will be slotted in right now uh, just to go. I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. A lot of people are saying that he's going to go two. Um, I think he's going to go three. I think it's going to go Rodon, Lopez, Nova, Giolito, and – I like to believe it's going to be Manny Benuelos. Manny Benuelos. I believe it's going to be Manny Benuelos over uh, Dylan Covey. But we'll see what Coop thinks. Um, We're not going to see Carson Fulmer as our number five starter. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He's going to be in the bullpen, and he's going to have to try and prove himself in the bullpen. With his uh, 29 Ks and 24 walks um, uh, over eight ERA, uh, just over how many innings pitched, 32 innings pitched, so so pretty solid all around. The fact that the guy has a whip, a whip, mind you, of almost two, that's concerning. I mean, opponents bat 280 against him, bat 280 against him, and he gave up almost a walking inning. All right, on that note, Tom, you want to introduce our next segment, please?
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about this next segment. I think it's going to be uh, one of our standbys uh, that we go to throughout the seasons. Um, but um, basically, the White Sox uh, have in their past uh, a very important player to the history of baseball, uh, Mini Minoso. And uh, we'd like to dedicate this segment to him and saying, um, you know, he did a lot for baseball outside the lines uh, in uh breaking the color barrier for latino players being the first Cuban uh to come and play in the major leagues uh and um you know we're proud of that as white sox fans that he came and did it with us um and you know for what for our purposes we're gonna take this this one minute each one minute for uh Steve and one minute for me hot take tommy to just talk about um What's going on outside the lines in baseball? And we're going to call it the Minoso Minute or the Mini Minute, you know. Um, And, you know, uh, we're going to pass it over to Steve here. And it's going to be uninterrupted time. I'm not allowed to say anything during his minute. Uh, Just let him take it away and talk about what's going outside the lines in in baseball here.
1: All right. So for my Mini Minute, uh, what I'm bringing up is basically I'm calling this ghost of social media past. Uh, One thing that we've noticed in Major League Baseball is players' tweets uh, from their past uh, throughout social media, uh, posts specifically on Twitter. Uh, These are tweets that have affected players such as Josh Hader, as well as even our own beloved Michael Kopech. One thing that I do want to bring up is that these players... First off, need to take responsibility for everything that they've said in the past. Um, Fans should not stand in the corner uh, of these players who have said these things knowing full well they could have... Repercussions. One player that has just come to my attention was Whit Merrifield, who just got a new deal with the Royals. Uh, tweets such as, Haha, you fag, you retard. Things such as this are things that the MLB needs to bring to attention as young players need to be trained properly in order to use social media for good
0: and not for the detriment of others. Yeah, um, well... Thank you for that. So for my mini-minute, I wanted to talk specifically about a Jake Arietta tweet, uh, specifically referencing the cold stove season that we've got going on now. Uh, he said all of you one- to three-year players out there uh, better be paying attention to what's going on in our game. You're next at the MLB. So he specifically tweeted at MLB, called them out saying, hey, these young players that only have one to three year contracts are looking or should be looking at the way that the free agent signing is going this season and should be afraid and what that tells me is there's going to be a players union meeting there's going to be a players union meeting where they all get together and say hey the baseball product is selling 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 and we're not seeing a dollar of it i'm just worried about the players you know uh We are the 99% over here, right? Like, I'm not one of these wealthy owners, and I want them to pay these players for being as talented as they are. Uh, We've got all these bad contracts out there in baseball, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't pay the players who are playing well and compensate them uh, accordingly. Anyway, that's my little mini-minute. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you, Tom. I am going to be selfish for a minute. I'm going to be real fucking pissed if if there is a strike that happens during the White Sox window of opportunity and this becomes like 94 all over again. And I know you're not a White Sox historian, (laughs) but the fact that they got fucked out of a World Series in 94 after getting a pretty early exit in 93 in the playoffs after having the
0: most wins in the AL West, you bet your ass I will be pissed. Yeah, um, and that's something that I'm going to go on record in saying that I am not a White Sox historian. I'm just a White Sox fanatic, uh, and I care about the team we have in front of us now, not necessarily the team that we've had in the past. But i I got kind of aware that we kind of got screwed in the (laughs) 94 uh, work stoppage. But, yeah, that's that's the hope that it doesn't happen again. Um, But in order for that to happen... uh, Especially now, like the White Sox can set that precedent. That's what is annoying me the most about this. The White Sox are out there pursuing free agents right now, and we could set a precedent saying, you know, we are going to sign these guys to big contracts because we have the money, we have the availability, we can do this. It doesn't like one or one of them might be bad, a bad contract. But if we land four free agents that are great contracts, um, I don't care if they're paying you know one guy too much
1: all right well on that note this has been the sons of honarchy podcast we hope you have an excellent day thank you for listening